Hello, and welcome to Clear on Life. In this episode, I interview Jane Weintraub. Jane works as a coach with a focus on the right career fit as an extension of meaning and purpose in life. This interview is full of insights, including the role of a coach in one's life and career and how to find a good coach. Enjoy. Thank you for taking time to be here. Oh, my pleasure. I have so many questions for you. Good. So you're a coach and yeah. I'm sure people come to you with this very obvious question what am I supposed to do with my life? Yeah, that is like Help the question. Me, the great existential question of our modern times, <laughs> at least one of them for sure. Yeah. And so if if someone just shows up that way at your steps, what do you do? That's a great question because it helps me stay like really practical rather than getting abstracted into describing what I do. So the, there's actually a process that I use at this point. The first piece involves um, a pretty rigorous intake session that includes not only an interview, but also a lot of assessment taking. So is that also, if, if someone just gives, if I'm going out there and looking for a coach to help me out with my existential crisis and they straight away give me an answer, is that a red flag? <laughs> well, sure, it is, but most of them won't do that. Okay. Yeah. But they will have probably very different approaches than I have to that question, right? Because that, that pr question can be handled myriad different ways. Like one can be a total exploration of process and embodiment and psychology and spirituality. And for me, it's like, let's get as actionable and practical as we can possibly through the process of enhancing what, what you know about yourself already. Gotcha. Yeah. So what is a coach in, in your world? Uh, and the best of times, a coach is um, a facilitator with a light touch that actually can provide the space for the coachee to explore and inquire and um, move forward with what they're trying to move forward with in their life. Um, coaches can sometimes be guides, uh, sometimes be advisors, uh, but the role really is to keep the locus of power and action in the hand of the participant, right? The coach is not in the driver's seat. So this is very different from a teacher, it seems like. Yeah, it is a really different role than a teacher. I mean, a teacher is describing a territory, might be abstracting, is pointing out, is um, providing a point of view and a perspective. Uh, coaches certainly have all those um, facets, but they hold them probably more lightly, or, you know, I certainly hold them more lightly. Um, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, you know, like, for the most part, the last few years... I've had this existential crisis. I didn't even know I needed a coach. Mm. Like there was nothing that was telling me I should go find a coach. Right. I was checking out YouTube videos on how to be awesome. <laughs> that didn't really work. <laughs> or read like a bunch of books, self-help books. Yeah. But yeah, I, there was nothing in my reality that was like a coach is a good thing and you should have that. I got us, the closest I got was go find a therapist. Mm. Hmm. Does, is there any overlap between therapist, coach? 
Yeah, there is. I want to first address the previous part of what you said, which is there's that trouble we have with um, not recognizing the water that we swim in. Like we can't actually always see ourselves outside of ourselves, so it would be hard to know if we needed help with um, resolving something. And I would say that probably there's some internal knowing that happens when we are almost at a little bit of a crisis point where we're just not moving forward or moving backwards. That stasis might be that we need that stasis discharge, like we might need it um, chi moved in acupuncture, for example. Like that might be the the knowing that something was stuck. Um, so that would be a an indicator. And then what was your other question? I already forgot what, what was the, <laughs> the primary question there. It, it It's basically, I didn't know what I was looking for. Yeah. Right. That was like the big thing is I didn't even know I needed a coach. Yeah. There was no vocabulary in no. my life or my culture around that. Yeah. So that's, that to me is like, seems like a huge barrier. There might be other people like that too out there. Yeah. You know, coaching has become more popular and more mainstreamed. And it seems like more people are engaging with coaching. Like if they're trying to reach a goal, certainly in the sort of the space of physiology, um, certainly in, oh, you asked me about therapy, right? Therapy, if there's actually something, um, you know, metabolic or chemical happening, you would need to see a, an MD or someone who can prescribe um, medications. Um, but I actually like this metaphor, this abstraction about chi and moving chi. Like when the chi is stuck, like how is the chi stuck might be the good question to ask of what would be the thing to help resolve it. And it might take a bunch of things. It might actually be working with an acupuncturist or a network chiropractor or a coach, right? It's a story. If we're involved in a um, narrative about ourselves or archetypal j hero's journey about ourselves, that's the space to get a coach involved, which is why this question of well, what am I going to do with my life, like that's the sort of standard like hero's journey question, like how am I going to fulfill my purpose? What is my purpose? That's the perfect territory for coaching. So then this metaphor of you don't know the water you're swimming in, mm -hmm. that sounds perfect because a coach, it seems like, would come in and actually point out what you're swimming in. They would actually do two things. We had talked about um, another metaphor, this idea of someone stepping into your mandala. So someone getting into your water. Like for me, when I am working with someone, I want to get into their narrative. Like I actually want to step into that water with them and understand what it's like from the inside out. Like what's it actually like to be that human being, mm. you know, as best as I can, obviously without being caught in the veil of projection, but like really ask enough questions and have enough sense of that human being's perspective and experience that I can actually look out through their eyes in order to make more meaning and more sense of things. So that is, and that's part of the assessment phase. For me, that's part of the assessment phase because there's so much that gets revealed in how somebody understands themselves and that becomes data for me. And so what are you doing in this assessment phase? Are you interviewing them, talking to them? Are there any tests of any sort? So I'm interviewing them around their motivation. I'm interviewing them around a bunch of different integral like facets that are happening for them. I'm listening to them for them in s developmental style and level. I'm listening to them in story and belief system. And then they're taking um, a lot of different actual tools. They're using a lot of modalities and assessments. And I take all of that information 
and what reveals itself it's like being an art curator it's like i begin to see this future um, version of this person like the current version but i can also start to see the future embodiment of that person because they've given me all of this information they revealed so much about how they understand themselves to be and that's what's important here got it so you're um I'm going to try to repeat after you so sure. I tr truly get it too. Sure. And and so so you're sussing out this person, you're looking at their world, you're looking at how their narrative is. And you're doing these tests and there's various different areas like adult development and um Myers what else is there? Myers-Briggs Myers and Enneagram. Oh and yeah. Okay. Yeah. So these are standardized tests mm -hmm. out there for health typing people for typing people okay okay yeah. and so the the reason you type people is so that and 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 actually the re when you type people is it ever that they've typed themselves before and what you come up with is different from what they thought they were in the that past? happens um with Enneagrams most specifically mm -hmm. um, and it's only because rather than them coming just from the perspective of typing we're now looking at their motivation around their actions mm -hmm. which can sometimes be uh, people can be blind to right so um, that's the only that's the reason why an Enneagram type would change because somebody would be so close to the water that they're swimming in that they would have identified with um, one based on topical personality stuff and once I listen in, I hear motivation placing them somewhere differently. The thing that's important about how I use these assessments is not, it's not Jane sitting over here saying, you are like this. Like this, I want to be really clear about that because that's how I think that personality assessments get misused. What it is is that somebody else is saying to me, I believe this is how I am. I believe... So, so someone else is pointing to me if I got a coach, let's say if I got you as a coach and you've done the intake and then you're telling me that you... No, you, okay. would have, you would be telling me. You would have taken all these assessments and you would be saying, Jane, look, this is who I am. Uh -huh. Oh, look, this is who I am. Oh, look, this is who I am. And really the important word is, this is who I believe I am. Like, this is the narrative and belief system that I hold about myself. This is the story I hold about myself. Like, you would have, through these assessments, basically told me the story of you. Right. And how important is that I believe that this is who I am versus, like, just taking a test and it puts me in a category? Well, it's, like, super important that it's th because it is your belief, right? So it's the way you one inhabits the world is based on their belief of about the world and about themselves. And you take that into account into that's that's probably the, the most important piece, right? So in my kind of coaching, I'm listening for what they believe themselves to be, right? We know that with the narrative self, it is just belief systems based on our programming, our habits, our conditioning, all that. But that belief is the fuel that drives the directionality of this the response to that question of what am I going to do with my life? Like, they've already actually answered the question in their belief system. Oh, I see. Okay. So the the answer is in how I see myself. Absolutely. 
So in some ways, you're kind of reflecting and pointing to what's already there. I like to call it curating. Curating. Yes. Yeah. Got it. And so because I've had this idea that I'll go to a coach and they'll discover something that I've never known and it's just a whole new thing and <laughs> then my life's going to be completely different and separate from this miserable thing that I've <laughs> existed in so far. It may feel like that, right? Because you're too close to it. It may feel like that. And there is coaching where you can actually work on changing certain neural pathways and habits and patterns of how you've been. But with this particular kind of coaching that I'm interested in, you're actually just revealing to yourself who you believe yourself to be. And then we just go ahead and enhance that and make that bigger in the world. I see. Got it. What kind of coaching is this? I mean, I call it career coaching. Career coaching. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just not leave it, it at that. Completely, like, does not, you know. Pretty bland and yeah, not sexy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just takes away from the depth that you just described yeah. of what you're doing. Yeah. Well, that's why I think it works so well, because it literally is listening into the beliefs a person has about themselves. Listening and how that is reflected in personality and action and all of that stuff and what if a person believes they are a loser and they are just meant for a dead-end job and maybe nothing great so this is why we work with personality assessment like because that's a great question because we can override a lot of those um that level of belief in the personality system um, assessments that will come back to that but in the personality assessments, we're getting archetypal models. So like there might be an archetypal model of a type, like say um, some of the qualities of the Enneagram six who you know, tend to be more fearful. So that can be you know, metabolized in their story about themselves as like, I'm scared of everything. I'm never gonna achieve anything perhaps. But as an uh, archetype, we're not, we're, not, we're not actually capturing that data up front. What we're capturing is this whole gestalt of the story of the Enneagram six. Does that make sense? Was that clear? So this narrative that I'm a loser, I'm not going to amount to anything is a small subset of the archetype. So you're, you're taking this mapping into an archetype and saying there's more to it than just that. Is that exactly. And when we, if we're like, I'm a loser, I'm not going to account for account for anything. That's um, a little bit more psychological. Mm hmm. And that is um, different than hanging out sort of in the mytho-poetic or archetypal realm. Like it's, um, it may be a belief that they have about themselves and it may have to be addressed, certainly in the coaching. But we find another... There are different ways of being with it. Right. There, you know, there are different ways. There's, there are ways of actually re retelling that story where it can be extracted from conflations with culture. Like I'm, I'm unworthy. I'm never going to account for anything could actually be in relationship to the culture in which they live, where everybody is super productive and in their, you know, in their life, they're not productive. Well, there could be something else happening there that the person could be incredibly sensitive and thoughtful and deep and slow 
and engaging you with their senses, uh, sensations in a totally different way, but they can't see that, but it's still revealed in that statement because that statement is just saying, I'm not like everybody else in the culture who's fast and achieving a lot. I see. So I'm a loser. I'm not worth anything could really be. I'm just very different from what else is happening in my culture. And I have all of these other amazing gifts but I just never see it without the help of a coach in yeah. this case. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I, oh, I so want to say a little bit more about that because it's such a great question. E inside of every archetypal model, there's like built in like a little hero's journey, like the thing that gets transformed. And a lot of that is at the level of belief system. So like that statement of I'm unworthy might live in an archetypal model and find um, resolution Uh, through myth mythology rather than psychology. Through, s through a new kind of storytelling. Seems like there's a lot about stories here. Well, sure. I mean, like, <laughs> there's a great book. <laughs> the world is made of stories. Like, we are a storytelling creature. We, th we live in story. So what I believe about myself is a story. What you believe about yourself is a story. And you as a coach come in to re-architect that story in some ways? No, to curate that story in a means that is going to let you exploit it to the best of your ability in, in the way that it was meant to be exploited. So that it is that you can be the uni most unique snowflake <laughs> that you are. <laughs> <laughs> And that you're not um, enmeshed or chained by the constraints of a culture that says you can't be like that, for example. And this idea of becoming more of who you are. Yes. I mean, it sounds like in this case, without derailing the conversation too much, that even that is a story. Yes, but it's a really tantalizing story. It's a tantalizing story. Yeah, I mean, it's a super seductive story. Wouldn't you rather be more of who you are? Unless, I mean, unless you're going for, you know, non-self, you know, like, no self. I mean, I, I don't play in the land of no self. Like, we're making a self. We're re-architecting, to use your word, a self. We're curating a self, yeah. So becoming more of who you are definitely sounds very seductive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And easier than trying to become something that you're not. I guess there's, that's, I mean, that's pretty common. A lot mm. of people are trying to become something they're not. It's terrible. We all walk around trying to become something we're not. Like me trying to squeeze into a pair of size two jeans or, you know, like I'm not a size two jean. Like, and so then I spend my life on a diet trying to be something that I'm not rather than actually just like living into what I actually am. And for example, in our case, uh, when you were coaching me, I'm not a CEO. You're not. But I have had this orientation for whatever reasons. To that narrative. To be a CEO. And that was messing things up. It was. And then That's going against the grain? It just creates too much friction. Wouldn't you rather work with less friction? I w I'd rather, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. then it's, it's more, much more pleasurable. Right. Like the, the process of answering that question, what am I going to do with my life? There should be more pleasure in it than pain. I guess for me, just this whole idea that I need to be some very successful executive 
was embedded into me and I'm not blaming anyone but that's what I grew up with that's what yeah. people did and that was like a hallmark of success was you you got the fanciest degree and the fanciest job and then now you're at the top level somewhere you know yeah all of that and it's understandable and it's a great example like if we had followed that path in our coaching we would have spent a lot of time unpacking that and that can be really powerful work unpacking the dyna dynamics behind that for you but we'd still be unpacking it and we instead of uh enhancing who you actually are gotcha <laughs> <laughs> right we'd still be on the other other side analyzing and abstracting and understanding again important things but not the kind of coaching that i'm interested in helping people with and also that kind of stuff won't produce results as in a new path or a more clear path or a more seductive path it it'll produce more awareness of the pathology and the programming um so that can be helpful but it will not produce more actionable steps and it will not produce necessarily more short-term and long-term enjoyment and fulfillment so when we're aligned with our character and our personality mm -hmm. and what we believe that to be it's just more pleasurable it's just going to be easier right i mean if you think about it neuro from a neurochemistry perspective like if you're always pushing the noradrenaline and the cortisol to be something that you're not that's going to be tighter than just like pushing who you actually are so if someone's in the um, um, if someone's in that narrative, like they grew up with, you know, I'm gonna be an engineer, and that's yeah. very true for Asian and Indian yeah. families, Southeast Asia, that you know that there's a running joke that you better be an engineer or a doctor or yeah. a lawyer. Yeah. Right. So you better get your degree and do all of that that's very impactful for all the people growing up in that culture absolutely and and so that and there could be what you're saying is there could be a lot of unpacking there absolutely and what you're saying is this story of who you really are could be a s different or separate from that yeah i would say it takes a lot of courage to actually go down a path of living into who you really believe you are so and i want to keep adding that word believe you are right mm -hmm. so the courage it takes to be like i'm going to actually live into who i believe i am that's kind of a road less taken it's in some ways much easier to have a painful experience of becoming the thing that you believe that you're supposed to be because of your culture rather than getting under that and living into who you actually believe yourself to be. Would this apply to people in any age group? I imagine it would. There are times, there's slices where it's easier and more difficult. Um, I would say the people that I coach mostly are between their like 28 ish when they've individuated more completed their individuation from their family of origin through mid 40s i've coached people older it gets it just gets rougher yeah and so th this 
time mandala thing you mentioned earlier. Yeah. What sand is that? mandala. Sand, sand mandala. Yeah. So oh, I had this incredible experience recently. There's actually uh, three of them in the physical world where we went to this um, rhododendron farm where this man has worked for 35 years creating hybrids of rhododendrons and raising rhododendrons and, you know, everything rhododendron. And it was like he and I were talking about how when he dies there's no one to um, pick up like that he's going to leave it to like it will have just literally been like a mandala sand mandala the buddhists create and that just seems so absolutely poetic and beautiful to be like invited into his essentially his mandala a thing that will like exist for the short period of time it's been about 30 years and then will cease to be and that's how i feel about like how sacred it is being someone's partner in a coaching um, contract because they're actually inviting me into their mandala like I have an inside seat in what it means to be that person and that will cease to be someday and so it feels really precious yeah this is so refreshing and kind of different of a take from a lot of people who are into leaving legacies yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah right there's there's a lot of people including myself i'll admit like, mm -hmm. like yeah what kind of legacy will i leave you know yeah. how will i impact the planet and yeah you know will they remember me secretly <laughs> <laughs> i don't say that one out loud yeah you know and what are your thoughts on that well look i think for a lot of us who aren't in written up in the like history books and like you know in media in the world of media we will be forgotten within a couple of generations. When I look back at my parents and their their relatives, I know those people. My mother's still living, but when she dies, my access to my grandmother's generation and my great-grandmother's generation will be completely erased. There will be no storylines, except for actually this pair of candlesticks, which is an interesting story. There'll be no... They'll, they'll be gone. And so I believe that is so about me. And since I didn't have children, I'll probably disappear much more quickly. Like, I will cease to be. Um, and simultaneously have had an impact. Because, of course, we all have an impact on the planet, right? But not necessarily in a grandiose way. I'm, I'm really okay with that. I think it's actually poetic, quite beautiful. And so that maybe also helps with focusing on, you know, who you believe you really are and taking that route versus whatever you're supposed to be. Route. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. that that's, that's a big developmental leap, I would think, for people. But I love that you're asking the question. I wouldn't assume my the people I work with to be able to make that leap necessarily or have a desire to make that leap. Again, I don't much care if they want to leave a legacy or not. Like, God bless if they want to. Great. If that's what shows up in their belief about themselves, we're going to enhance that. Really, what, what I find compelling is that I get invited in. Like, I get invited into their belief system about themselves. Like, I get invited into what they create and generate in their experience. Like, that's the part that's super cool. Like when you talk about living on the boat for five years, like I'm right there with you. And so I have that storyline. And then 
that coupled with what I understand you, who you believe yourself to be, I'm like, that's like, that's like a delicious slice of humanity that I get invited into and have a front row seat for. Yeah. And yet at the same time, it's, you know, that was the time of my life when I was living on a boat Mm -hmm. a few years ago. I was making money here and there, like with gigs, you know, teaching gigs, but it wasn't like a solid job and it wasn't building my career. But you were building the mandala of who you believe yourself to be. Right. Like that's, to me, that's deeply embedded in the story of Jaswell. Yeah, and then there's that nagging feeling. Man, like if you had just worked on your career, you'd be like so set right now with <laughs> right, something. Right, right. And that's the piece that people unpack a lot in coaching or therapy will be that angsty piece. And that angsty piece will be there, right? Yeah. It's gonna. It's not going to go anywhere because it's like, it's like sort of the, the harbinger or like the little memory of the culture. Like it's going to stick around. You know, it's like, <laughs> I have a master's in change management. And to this day, if you ask my parents, my dad's no longer living, but if you ask my mother what my master's was in, she would say it was an MBA. And that's just like laughable, right? Like there's like an unconscious thing there. Like, so those things that live in us, you know? And like, look, we live in a time where there are certain cultural things that are very, very powerful. Like, would I love to be a millionaire or multimillionaire? Yeah. What, but I wouldn't really spend it on anything except for my house. But still, like, yeah, I mean, that's still, I live in a, a culture and a time that where that's really valued. And so I value it, too. But if you look at the motivations and the way I've lived my life, nothing has aligned with that, with having that happen. Right? It's that evidence to the contrary thing. Like, I might say that I want to be a multimillionaire. Literally none of the choices I've made in my life align with that. And so rather than feel crummy about it, yeah, I just live into the things that like I actually love and love to explore because I know that the other thing is an artifact of culture because clearly if if I had wanted it to happen on some level, not like, you know, woo-woo manifestation, but if it had been that important to me, like I would have attacked that first. And in some ways then you are, as that realization is coming in, like, okay, well, the evidence in my life points to, for example, in me, like living in a boat, kind of like a gypsy a little bit totally and not embedded in the corporate culture totally points to a trail of evidence so what you're saying is i could double down or on that or feel crummy and jump and try to do something else which is not me totally exactly and that evidence is all belief systems right again what you who you believe yourself to be like yeah let's get more of that Rather than feeling, yeah, crummy about yourself and, and trying to put yourself into, like, a straitjacket when it's, that's not your suit to wear. There are enough human beings in the world doing that. Right. So there's a lot of people who are, for them, they could say it's not working out. Yeah. Right. They're, they're in a crummy job situation. It's not like they chose that. Yeah. What would you say to them, like, evidence points to that that's what they want? I would, and actually, I want to just make a sort of a qualifying point. It doesn't mean that one has to, like, leave the corporate world, right? I have um, a Or a job. Or a job, because I have a former client who was a massage therapist, had been an engineer, left engineering for massage therapy, and desperately missed engineering is what it turned out to be as we went through this process, and now has a huge job as a manager 
for an, a manufacturing company in engineering and is happy, 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 happy in that. Fulfilled, it's delicious for this person, happy, happy, happy. Because it was totally in line with how this person believed themselves to be. Got it. But they had to go through that detour into... The angsty part and the detour and leaving and then right this whole exploration. That was the process for this particular person. I didn't show up until they were at the end of the massage piece going... That's not for me. This is not for me. Yeah. And they didn't they didn't know enough to go back to engineering. It wasn't No, clear. we had to go through a whole process. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So that doesn't mean knowing who you are and the reality of finances and bringing money in. You know, you got to pay the bill somehow. Absolutely. You got to take care of your family somehow and, and pay rent. And it's absolutely. ridiculous in some places. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And then there's the potential uncertainty. Absolutely. So there's all of that. Yeah. And then there is somehow in this narrative, being who you are comes as like the, you know, it's going to weigh in on that. It's it's not going to support it necessarily. Like in my world, the way I see life is like the way who you are um you'll have to sacrifice something to be who you are like sacrifice comfort predictability mm -hmm. job stable job mm. etc not so to be who you are yeah it's not so like that that's a false belief i think that, that most people hold in the culture uh, i have a client right now who it was very clear given what we learned about his his personality again i keep saying who he believes himself to be that him quitting his job and running off and doing something crazy was like not the right response and so what we did was we actually like leaned more heavily into th his current role where there's a lot of perks because it's um it's a particular kind of job that has a lot of perks and we we got as much information about those perks so that he could exploit his benefits and have time to explore around the edges of the particular job that provides him with a c particular kind of safety that his narrative self needs. So he still has the same job and he's doing all this around the sidelines and, and building things that might end up being ultimately more like big extended hobbies, could end up being the work thing, but he's like, he feels alive for the first time in a long time because he's actually has the safety he needs and he has tons of paid time off available that he can start using to play with, just to you know, f fuel other parts of his um, personality. I see. So the false belief that you pointed to earlier is that who I believe I am will take away from the stability and exactly the goodies doesn't have and to. like it doesn't have to. No, but it could. Well, it could, but it's like, for example, you are, you've, like, my experience of you is you've always been much more, like you said, a gypsy or a nomad, and risk-taking's easier for you, right? I, like I said, I have clients who the risk-taking is not easy, and I'm not asking them to become risk-takers, because that would be completely going the other direction of out of alignment with who they are, or who they believe themselves to be. So you, you're dancing with their beliefs. Completely. And this is not like a prescription no. that says, oh, I see this, 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 therefore you should do that. No. We're just enhancing what's already there with the constraints that exist with what's already there. And if people have problematic beliefs, like, hey, 
whoever I am is going to mess with my career. Therefore, I'm going to put that away and I'm going to focus on my career and be miserable. Or I'm going to be who I am and have a crummy, this, this thing of like, oh man, I should, you know, I'm missing out on, you know, I'm a loser, whatever. That, that belief system with, with a coach's help, I could gra- get a grasp on and say, okay, it doesn't have to be this way. I'm not sure I understand what you're asking, but there's no black and white prescription for where somebody's going to end up in answering that question. Mm-hmm. And that question, answering that question is a definitely a process, like probably never ending process, always changing. Um, but there's no, if we look at sort of developmental movements, we think it is that you leave the corp, you know, leave the corporate thing behind and you become like, you know, enlightened, you know, you, but that's not actually so for everybody. So we're actually working with, it's like, it's like cooking. We're working with the ingredients we have on hand. And rather than saying, oh, I don't like fenugreek, we're like, ah, fenugreek, that's going to go really well with blah, blah, blah. We're just enhancing, enhancing, enhancing. You're not taking away from, oh, okay, you're cooking the wrong thing here. No. <laughs> and we're not saying that, oh, you should just like leave everything behind and jump into the unknown. Because for a lot of people, that would be a terrible, terrible thing. Right. You know? Right. S- that's, and this is so different from, I can see how this is, because I've taught a lot of classes mm-hmm. in the past. And this is very fine-tuned and custom for each person. Very, very, As a very coach yes. for you. Yes, So it's not like you can have 10,000 people. You can't coach 10,000 no, people. No, 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 what's no. Like, what's an ideal number? Like three at one time is like, puts me at max capacity. I'd rather do two at a time. Wow. So that's, that's a lot of energy ton of energy you burn a lot of chi you're holding a lot of space um different than talking about it in conversation where it can be more abstracted i'm entirely focused i'm drawing connections in on the in the moment i have to be like a resource library so i i am a bit of a generalist i know so much about so many different things because i have to be able to point each person in the direction of what's actually going to be suitable to them as far as explorations go like the books I'm going to recommend to you are going to be different to the, than the books I recommend to somebody else. And I have to be listening at all of those levels of developmental awareness and character and all of that in order to, to um, point people in the right direction. So being a coach takes a lot. It's a lot of energy. Yes, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of care. It takes a lot of time. It's incredibly boutique. Like it's when when done right, I think it's incredibly thoughtful and time time um, intensive. And so it's not like you have a program for someone. The only program piece I have is that um, everyone does assessments. Got it. And after that, even how we're going to roll with the sessions, like you and I, at some point we were meeting twice a week for half an hour. Yeah. Like right now, the person I'm working with, we're on a three-week um, break in between because there's homework for this person to do, right? So like it, the cadence changes. I just know that it's 12 hours, and those 12 hours are going to be used in a particular in a unique way that we're going to see as we move through the process. So you have some basic structure. Yep. On like time and availability and your resources. And exactly. Then, and then you dance with that. Exactly. 
what do you think? I've seen so many, like I see ads on Facebook, you know, how to become a coach. Yeah. And there's <laughs> so much of that. And it yeah. felt like at some point last year during COVID that every other person was becoming a coach. Everybody's a coach. So what do you think of that? I find it a little bit heartbreaking for everybody involved. It's sort of like everybody's a yoga teacher, right? It's like, um, the question is, what is that trying to fulfill? Like, well, what is that? What is that in the larger pattern of the culture that we're trying to fulfill there? It's interesting and compelling. But it also means that like yoga, like massage, like any of those things that have been sort of financialized or commoditized, like coaching, it's a wild west and you don't actually know what you're getting when you're hiring somebody. You don't know their level of awareness. You don't know about their capacity. You don't know about their orientation. Yeah, you just don't know what you're getting. And people who are really good at marketing or who get into that sort of the funnel, all those click funnel things online, which I don't really know anything about, a lot of them bring in a lot of clients and are very successful, but we don't know if they're good coaches. What would be the difference between a good coach and a bad coach? A good coach would be, um, have done their own work, be able to get out of the way of projection and actually be a clear, a clear plate for somebody else's process and not be projecting their own biases onto that plate. A good coach would be also agile with styles and techniques and tools and tips and skills that they were offering to the client. A good coach is a great listener, but also directive when necessary. Again, ultimately, it's really about projection, that they can get out of the way. That it's not about a formula, and it's not about them and their interpretation of reality. And really, that just comes with awareness, because there are a ton of coaches who are going to be projecting all over their clients. And so for a client, like, is there a way they could, is there a way to tell no. if they're signing up with a good coach or a not so great coach no it totally sucks <laughs> it totally sucks <laughs> <laughs> i mean there really isn't right it would take a certain level of awareness on the pr of on the point of the client or the prospective coachee to be able to recognize somebody was actually just going to be projecting their value system onto them and if you're at a certain level of awareness and development like you're not going to recognize it so i i think there's no good way so there's there's a lot of there's risk taking tons of risk taking oh man that sucks <laughs> totally sucks imagine spending fifteen thousand dollars on a coaching engagement for a year with like one of those high-end funnel click funnel coaches and it's just sucking and you and there's not much takeaway maybe you're excited about it during the program yeah. but your life didn't really alter in a meaningful way yeah yeah wow Man, that's that's a problem to be solved. Yeah, you, you want to solve it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you solve that. I mean, it's like, how do you know you're going to see a good doctor? Like, how do you know, you, like anything, right? How do you know it's a good, well, I guess a good restaurant you would know. Yeah, maybe some references from friends. But again, yeah. there's this whole, as you were talking about, a good marketer doesn't equal a good coach. So if it you're doesn't. seeing their material online or you're seeing like the perfect YouTube 
uh, little yeah, video bites nothing. doesn't mean that they're a good coach. They're just nothing. good at those video bites and marketing. And even a coach who's being paid six figures doesn't mean they're a good coach. Yep. Referral seems to be the best way. It's like refer, if you have a good coach, refer out that coach. Help your friends. Yeah. So if, if you had a great experience yeah. and you can point to it. Yeah, but then it means that you have to know that you had a great experience. That's a tricky one too. <laughs> totally. Yeah, so. I guess then it's proof in the pudding, right? Like y yeah. if you can point to some evidence, I mean, yep. I don't know, like, I mean, you can talk subjectively about how awesome I felt. Yeah. But that, I don't know how translatable that is versus well, like someone could point, okay, well. Yeah. I was feeling crummy f six hours a day about an anguish about my life mm -hmm. and now it's one hour a day okay at least that's something and that's i'm doing something. something interesting absolutely i feel more landed and grounded in who i am mm -hmm. that could be something okay so um actually mm -hmm. um maybe we can as we meander to a close mm -hmm. that like what is it that what are some of the markers in your experience with your clients and people you coach that it's working indicators resolution of some of the existential angst ultimately so they feel okay i don't have to worry about mm -hmm. what am i doing with my life or did exactly. i go wrong there's less of that less of that they feel more grounded in who they are and their experience um and so grounded as in there's not that many FOMO moments. <laughs> yeah, FOMO, exactly. That's a great way of just saying it. I was, I was gonna say Fear the, the of missing out. Exactly. Yeah. That and there's not a felt sense of angst. Like the felt sense of angst has really quieted. Like there's a grounded of like, oh, this is, ah, oh, I'm, I'm where I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Okay, that feeling like yeah. I'm where I'm supposed to be versus like, eh. am I in the wrong place? Exactly. Missing out on something. And okay. that's different from it being hard. Like you can still be, I'm in the right place, but it still can be hard. Right, right. Yeah, but that angsty, like, clenching in gut feeling is, has settled. Like, you feel your feet. You feel your pelvis. Um, more embodied. Definitely more embodied. More aware of oneself and one's story and meaning-making. That's a, that's mm. a little abstract. You're doing what you wanted to do. You want you're doing something. Like you're actually d taking action in the world. That's an alignment with something that you care about. So that you feel creative. You feel um I think that's important. You feel creative uh and you feel life feels playful. Playful. Like just a big field of creativity. That'd be a great marker. Like mm -hmm. if I'm feeling more playful in the things I'm doing absolutely okay then then it worked absolutely more okay. and more creative more playful yeah more Great. generative that was the word i was more generative for. yep that'd be a huge positive sign yeah more humor about the self that you believe yourself to be got it so mm -hmm. and and you're less this is it yeah and, and the, like you brought up the story about self-worth like that story wouldn't become a focal point of attention in the same way. Got it. Right? Got it's it. just like emotions transforming form when you meditate. This would be thought, thought forms transforming form. 
you can t say totally, totally say no to this. Anything else you want to cover? No, I can't think of anything. I mean, like, I hope I've done a good job of explaining. It's hard to explain an abstraction, but it's really delicious work. Like, I love this work. I love being invited into people's mandalas, as we, you know, described. I love um, seeing people for who they believe themselves to be and just enhancing the shit out of that and, like, making it loud and bright and beautiful and true to them, separate and individuated from culture and upbringing. Um, I love that we end up in these places that I couldn't have imagined will end up with people doing things that who knew that that's what they're going to end up doing. I love being able to have a... Um, a felt experience of and a visual experience of what of the person and their f inhabiting their future self like it's just beautiful and poetic work so it is i like feel really blessed to do it i love it yeah jane this was i loved this interview thank you so much for oh spending thank you time. so much i had a great time me too super yeah. fun let's do this again sometime absolutely thanks jane thank you goodbye